It's Wednesday, February the 19th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Afghanistan's delayed election result and Trump's clemency for corruption. First, the world in brief. After a five-month delay, Afghanistan's electoral commission named Ashraf Ghani as the winner of the country's presidential election. The result was delayed after supporters of Mr Ghani's leading challenger, Abdullah Abdullah, accused the commission of bias and threatened to form a parallel government. The victory gives Mr Ghani a second five-year term as president. President Donald Trump commuted the prison sentence of Rod Blagojevich, a former Democratic governor of Illinois convicted of trying to sell Barack Obama's seat in the Senate. He had served eight years of a 14-year sentence. In all, Mr Trump granted clemency to 11 high-profile white-collar criminals, including Michael Milken, a financier convicted of securities fraud, and Bernard Kerrick, a former New York City police commissioner convicted of tax fraud. Passengers were allowed to disembark a cruise ship docked in Yokohama after spending a 14-day quarantine aboard the Diamond Princess. Around 500 people who tested negative for COVID-19 head down the gangplank today, with 2,500 to leave by the weekend. The coronavirus has infected at least 75,000 people in China and killed more than 2,000. Average weekly earnings in Britain adjusted for inflation reached their highest level since before the financial crisis of 2008. Official figures showed that average wages rose to £512, $666 in the three months to December. There was also good news on jobs over the same period. Employment reached a record 33 million, while the number out of work fell by 16,000 to 1.3 million. In Germany, Norbert Röttgen announced his surprise candidacy for the leadership of the governing Christian Democratic Union. Last week, Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer, the CDU's leader, abruptly quit after failing to stop regional politicians from cooperating with the far right against Berlin's wishes. Mr Röttgen, a former environment minister, is a moderate who is likely to favour a coalition with the Greens after the next election. Spain said it would introduce a digital services tax on big technology companies. The 3% tax would take effect in December to allow time for an international agreement on digital taxes to have been agreed on by then. When the French government announced its own digital tax last year, America threatened stiff retaliatory tariffs until France said it would hold off until the end of this year. A court in Turkey acquitted a philanthropist of terrorism charges only for prosecutors to order his arrest again hours later. Osman Kavala was one of nine people accused of terrorist offences for protests in Istanbul, which had opposed turning a city park into a shopping centre. His new charge refers to an attempted coup in 2016. And clarification. In Tuesday's edition, we said that the Wet'suwet'en indigenous people oppose the construction of a natural gas pipeline on their ancestral lands in northern British Columbia, Canada. The pipeline is opposed by Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs, but supported by elected band councils. And now, here's today's agenda. Make the desert bloom, the Democrats debate in Nevada. 
America's Democrats hold a televised debate in Las Vegas tonight between the candidates seeking the party's nomination for president ahead of Nevada's caucuses on Saturday. It will be the first such event in which Michael Bloomberg participates, ensuring that he, and not the caucuses which he is not contesting, grabs most of the attention. The billionaire former mayor of New York has surged in the polls after spending more than $400 million on television advertisements, more than all his rivals combined. Though he is sitting out the first four primary contests, he is already second to Bernie Sanders in the latest national poll. This has made it harder for his rivals, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, to unite the centre against Mr Sanders' more left-wing programme. Mr Bloomberg can expect attacks from all of them. How the ex-mayor deals with the barrage will be a guide to how formidable his candidacy really is. Shaky Foundations, America's Housing Market Data expected today are likely to show that in January, American builders were putting up new houses at a rate equivalent to 1.4 million a year. That would be disappointing compared with December, when unseasonably warm weather lifted the number of houses that began construction. But it would still represent a big improvement on most of the period since the financial crisis. America's rate of house building is far lower than it has been at other times of strong economic growth and low unemployment. These days, the country builds only half as many houses per worker as it did in the 1960s, the unfortunate consequence of ever-tightening land regulation. An unusually large share of new building appears to be taking place in the tightest, most expensive markets, including parts of Oregon and Washington state. That's good, but if prices are to come down, the pace will have to pick up in more places. Give peace a chance, Afghanistan's ceasefire. When is a ceasefire not a ceasefire? When it is only a reduction in violence. The difference has occupied American and Taliban negotiators for weeks as they close in on a deal to end the war in Afghanistan. Taliban leaders, unwilling to signal their fight was over, refused a complete ceasefire. Yet America and its Afghan allies demanded that the militants show they are serious about trying for peace. A compromise due to begin in the next few days is a seven-day decline in hostilities. If violence falls significantly, the adversaries will sign a deal by the end of this month, setting out an eventual withdrawal of American troops. Talks between the Taliban and Afghan officials on how to run the country will then begin. Will the truce last? This appears to be an important development in Afghanistan's long search for peace, but Western officials admit they are nervous as well as excited. Ruling Techland, the European Commission gets serious. Before taking over as President of the European Commission in December, Ursula von der Leyen promised that in her first 100 days in office, she and her fellow commissioners would draw up legislation to deal with the risks of artificial intelligence. Given the complexity of the subject, experts always expected her to miss the self-imposed deadline. But today, the Commission will at least release a white paper on AI and two other documents, a data strategy and an overall digital strategy, which together amount to a roadmap of how the European Union intends to regulate the tech world in the coming years. High-risk AI applications, for instance in healthcare, data sharing between firms and the regulation of big online platforms will get particular attention. With politics in Washington, D.C. paralysed, the EU is considered the world's most important source for rules in Techland. Now it has a chance to show that this reputation is justified. The Impatient Patient, 
Turkey's economy. In a speech last week, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, was in defiant mood. The economy, he boasted, had refuted the doomsayers, recovering faster from the currency crisis of 2018 than many expected. That's true, but now Mr Erdogan risks endangering that recovery by rushing it. He has been eager to revive credit and economic growth to protect his popularity from new threats, including growing frustration with his rule from former allies. To that end, he sacked the governor of Turkey's central bank in July, replacing him with Murat Uysal, who loyally slashed interest rates by 12.75 percentage points over the subsequent five meetings. The central bank may well cut them again at its meeting today, even though inflation has started to rise again and the currency has resumed falling. If these trends continue, Turkey's economy may eventually defy Mr Erdogan's confidence, but its central bankers dare not do so. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Deng Xiaoping, who passed away on this day in 1997. It doesn't matter whether the cat is black or white, as long as it catches mice. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.